CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. America's the greatest country in the world. Welcome to Hold the Line. I am not Buck Sexton filling in for him today. Mike Slater here in San Diego. Buck and I have worked together forever. <laughs> I'm honored to be here filling in for him today. Today we're going to talk about vaccine mandates. The uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory. Some employees there are suing to stop the vaccine mandates. And we need to encourage everyone who is fighting back against these vaccine mandates. This group's not getting enough attention. We'll give them the attention they deserve coming up in the next segment. We're also going to talk about China's hypersonic missiles, which I feel like is a, is a thing that people should be a little more concerned about that got like eight seconds of news coverage. And we'll also talk about the White House uh, yesterday uh, unveiling their new national gender strategy. Thank goodness. Thank goodness we, we have one now. So we got all that coming up on the show today. I'm grateful you're here. But first, I want to celebrate a win. Can we celebrate a win here? Perhaps few and far between these wins are right now. Although we got a big pro-life win coming up in the Supreme Court in the next few months. I can't wait for that one. Uh, but let's celebrate these wins when we have them, right? So here's a quick catch-up. National School Board Association, right? I'm sure you know all about this story, but let's just uh, bring everyone up to speed. A couple weeks ago, they came out with a nine-page letter to the president saying uh, that there's been this horrific increase in violence at school board meetings. It's out of control. It's unbelievable. And you know what it is? It's domestic terrorism. And these people, these parents, need to be investigated via the Patriot Act. Here are some of the quotes from their letter to the president, just so you know I'm not making this up. So a few days after this letter, the Department of Justice wrote a memo saying that the FBI needs to investigate these parents, this, this, this surge in violence. So now parents who speak up at school board meetings, if they have a, an angry tone, are considered direct domestic terrorists. Now on my uh, show, we went in great detail through the footnotes of that original National School Board letter. The only arrest that they included, right? This is this, like their footnotes, their examples of the violence that goes on in school board meetings. The only arrest that they highlighted was a man in Loudoun County, Virginia, who got arrested for trespassing. Now, come, come to find out that that dad right there, his ninth grade daughter was raped 
by a boy wearing a skirt in the girl's bathroom. And the school was doing nothing about it. And then the boy sexually abused another girl in the school a few weeks later. And I think it was the superintendent was at that school board meeting right there and said in front of everyone there, including the father, said in front of the father that there's never been a case of a trans person assaulting a girl in a bathroom or a locker room. And the dad still contained himself until the school board adjourned early. They didn't get through all the public comments and people were you know, uh, angry about that. And during that period, a woman who was standing behind him said to, said to the dad, I don't believe your daughter. He called her a B. Police grabbed his arm, and that's what you just saw. He pulled away, and they dropped him on the ground. And they charged him with trespassing, because at that time, the school board meeting had ended. That was the charge. That was the one arrest. But now you know the context. Now, that context, of course, was not included in the National School Board letter. But that was the one arrest in the entire United States of America. That was the one arrest that the National School Board Association could point to in their letter to the president and the Department of Justice about the, the unsettling rise of violence. That's the background. And we went through the entire footnotes. Just lie after lie. The original letter said that school board members are resigning in fear for their lives. And they linked to a school board in a small town outside Nashville and if you read the article, the school board member said he resigned because he wanted to spend more time with his family. That's, the, that's what they linked to. It was total bunk, the whole thing. And I think it all finally came to a head the other day when Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, was talking to the Attorney General, the head of the Department of Justice. Uh, remember this guy, this is the guy who Barack Obama nominated as a Supreme Court Justice, as like the middle of the road guy. Right here, here, here's the middle of the road guy that even Republicans can get behind. And now he's the attorney general and as extremist as the rest of them. And here he is being made a fool. First sentence of your memo, very first, first sentence, you said, in recent months, there's been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, threats of violence. Yes. When did you first review the data showing this so-called disturbing uptick? So I read the letter and we have been seeing over time Threats. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask you. So you read the letter. That's that's your source. So let me be clear. This is not a prosecution or an is there some study, some effort, some investigation. Someone did that said there's been a disturbing uptick or you just take the words of the National School Board Association. When the National School Board Association, which represents thousands of school boards and school board members, says that there are these kind of threats. When we read in the newspapers reports of threats of violence, when that is in the context of threats of violence, the source all, for this, for the very first line in your in your mouth. Time of the gentleman has expired. Was the school the time board of the association letter? Expired, Mr. Deutsch. Not amazing. What's your data? What's the research? What's your evidence? The letter. That's it. That that's all you do at the at the Department of Justice. You just quoted their letter and you sent a memo to the FBI telling. Certainly uh, harassing parents preemptively. Don't get out of line. The FBI is going to come at you. That's all they need is a letter. Amazing. Okay, so what's the good news? Now we're all caught up here, right? The National School Board Association has followed up this whole controversy with this. A new letter. I'll just quote two sentences. On behalf of the National School Board Association, we regret and apologize for the letter. 
they go on later, uh, there was no justification for some of the language used in that letter. And it's a pretty good apology. They don't really, um, they, don't, they don't say, oh, uh, you know, we apologize, but still there's a, that was just like a simple, we apologize. We'll see how they proceed moving forward. Now, why did they? Well, 20 state chapters, state chapters of the National School Board Association spoke up against the national organization. Today, just today, Ohio officially left the National School Board Association. So they're losing membership over it, as they should. So they had to come up, come out and apologize. That's a fantastic win, and I don't want to brush over that. That is a proper pushback and proper force applied, and they came back and apologized, as they should. Now, what lessons have we learned here? This is from the great Jesse Kelly. The point is to keep pushing back. He wrote this afterwards. He says, the works, excuse me, this works on the American communist, because I got a little secret about the American communist. The American communist is soft. He's soft because he's never faced real opposition from the pathetic spineless principled American right. The American right is so soft, they'll actually scold themselves if one of their own pushes back too hard against the communists. Communists in other nations, they had to fight tooth and nail to gain power. From Russia to China to Cuba, the communist was a fighter. Those communists were hard as nails because they came up facing things like the White Army or Chiang Kai-shek, things that hit back and hard, not the American communist. He spent his entire life luxuriating in a country where he never faces real pain or consequences for his actions. He's been able to pillage and destroy at will and this easy life has made him weak. Therefore, we conservatives can achieve huge victories for our cause if we just change our loser mentality and fight these people. Whatever they love, attack it. Whatever they hate, feed it to them. This must be the new way, the new right. Here's to many more wins against these American communists. They're soft. Push back hard, you'll win. Got an example of that coming up next. Los Alamos National Laboratory employees suing against vaccine mandates, pushing back. I love it. We'll talk to him next. Mike Slater filling in for Buck Sexton on Hold the Line. Spread the word. I want to talk to you about protecting yourself from online criminals. Look, the biggest threat you got out there in the cyber realm is not some thief stealing your credit card. The massive risk that you face is that that thief takes over ownership of your home. It's called home title theft. The FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes out there. Cyber criminals simply hack into vulnerable government, bank, or mortgage company servers where copies of your home title is in fact stored. The thief then forges your signature stating you sold your home to him. Then he borrows on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until collection notices show up. Protect your most valuable asset. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Use promo code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. Hey, Slater Crusaders. Mike Slater filling in for Buck Sexton here on Hold the Line. Thanks for being here. Uh, you know, on my show, we've talked a lot about these group of people who are holding the line, standing up against vaccine mandates in mass. Now, there's 
obviously uh, uh, many uh, nurses and doctors who were willing to lose their jobs over, but it wasn't enough to make uh, a dent, unfortunately. I hate that, I wish it was more. But we have a significant number of police officers, firefighters and service members who are refusing the vaccine to a point where it can't be ignored. Last Friday, half of the Los Angeles Fire Department got fired, half. Where I live in San Diego, we're set to, on December 1st, lose a third of our police force. You can't lose a third of your police force. But there's something interesting. You got police, fire, and military. What is it about people in these three professions that have led them to stand up against these vaccines in greater percentage than other professions? And you're thinking there, well, what about Southwest Airlines? Yeah, well, who are the pilots at Southwest Airlines? They're like almost all service members. They're all veterans. So I put them in the military category as well. Whatever it is about them, we need to encourage that in everyone else as well. There's actually another group of people who are standing up in mass as well. They're employees at Los Alamos National Laboratory and Oak Ridge National Laboratories. Standing up against the vaccine mandates. It's, it's such a shame too, because you have, and it's true in these other groups as well, a tight-knit community in these labs being ripped apart over this vaccine issue. And this, in our laboratories, will have national security implications as well. There's lawsuits on behalf of the people who don't want the vaccine working their way through the courts, and it's super encouraging to see, but we need a lot more of it, not just in those three professions, police, fire, and military, but everywhere else as well. I want to take a couple minutes here and give what I think is the best explanation of, of why we've had so much mass hysteria. What are we, 21 months into it now? Why? What? What was existing in our country that led to, to, to hysteria being possible to the amount that we've seen it now, which is remarkable? There's something called mass formation. This is an analysis from a psychology professor at the a university in Belgium. He said there's four conditions that need to be met in order for mass formation to occur. Four conditions. The first, you need a lot of people lacking social bonds, social bonds and social connectedness with others. Second, you need a lot of people who lack meaning in their lives. Third, you need a lot of people who have a free-floating anxiety. Free-floating meaning it's not connected to a specific thing, right? So if, if, for example, if you saw a, uh, a snake, I saw a rattlesnake the other day outside our house, if, if you saw a snake and you had anxiety, you would know what caused you the anxiety, right? I have anxiety, it's the snake. Remove the snake, remove the anxiety, right? But free-floating is just like this general state of anxiety nonstop, all the time, constantly, and you can't make sense of it, and you don't even know what it's from. And the fourth condition you need is a free-floating aggression. Very similar, you don't even know what it's really about, you're just angry, it's just this general discontent Right? Think post-Trump, or really not, not post-Trump, the entire four years of the Trump presidency, you had over half this country just constantly angry all the time. That didn't go away. So those are the four conditions that need to be met. The no meaning is an interesting one. Right? Because if you have if you have meaning in your life, if you have meaning, purpose, and direction, then nothing will stop you. <laughs> nothing will stop you. And you just like like Things that come your way, you just like brush off. They just bounce off and they don't even matter. I think about it, if, if you needed to get to the hospital for an urgent reason, you need to get there now, 
Nothing's gonna stop you. The speed limit's not gonna stop you. Red lights don't, what are you gonna like, your wife's about to give birth and you're in the car, what are you gonna like, stop at the red light and like, no, no ride on red. Sorry, honey, no, like no, you go! Cause you're on a mission. You gotta get it done and nothing's gonna stop you pedal to the metal. Same thing with, um, with, well, let me tell you this. I, my wife and I, we just watched this movie. I've been thinking about it a lot recently. It's called The Professor and the Madman. It's with uh, Mel Gibson and Sean Penn. It was really good. We liked it a lot. It's about the creation of the Oxford Dictionary. An impossible task, right? How are you going to catalog and define every word in the English language? Anyway, there's a family in the movie that was dirt poor. And there were like six kids. And they were all super well-behaved. <laughs> like, like crazy well-behaved. And you're like, well, how, how can these... This, these kids be so well behaved, they're so poor. No, 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 it's because they're poor. What does that have to do with it? Because they have no time or energy for nonsense. They had no time for nonsense. They were too busy trying to earn money so that they could buy the scantest amount of food. They had no time for nonsense. We instead, on the other side, on the other hand, we are a people with a ton of time for nonsense. <laughs> we, we are all about the nonsense. It's because we have no meaning. We have no meaning in our lives. We don't have any real connection with people. It's all online now, which is not real. So check for that too. You also have people who are angry, right? Coming out of the Trump presidency, Black Lives Matter. There's just this latent anger just simmering inside of people. And then anxiety. We have anxiety for no reason. Just this general hyper state of alertness and anxiety at all time, exacerbated by social media, cable news, and just like the world's always coming to an end, right? We did a segment on my radio show the other day. 39% of Gen Z don't want to have kids because they're so concerned about a, uh, a climate change apocalypse. <laughs> okay, that's, that's anxiety right there. That's it's crazy. So those are the four conditions, and I would argue we absolutely have those four things. Now, why are those the conditions for COVID hysteria? Because the COVID narrative is perfect for this. It's perfect. Why? Well. Here come the experts, right? Here come the experts, marching in, Fauci and the others. And they come in and they say, hey, everyone, this is the thing that's causing you anxiety. It's COVID, right? You have this, this like, like general anxiety. Well, let's focus it onto this thing right here. It's COVID that's giving you anxiety. So now people have their, their, their anxiety directly focused on a single thing. So all the general anxiety that the mass of the American people had, and you can just look at the amount of like meds that people take in this country to, 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 cat, to, to put a metric on that. Just like, like general anxiety was all targeted directly at one thing. But it's not only that, because then after that, the experts could now say, hey everyone, this is your new meaning in life. Don't get COVID. This is your purpose, your mission, and your ministry, is don't get COVID. Take these steps to make sure you never get COVID. This is your anxiety, and this is your purpose for living now. So perfect, now I got something to be anxious about specifically, and now I have a meaning. Here are the steps I'm gonna take to protect myself. And we're gonna sprinkle in a little dose of narcissism as well, and here are the things I'm gonna do to protect others. So anxiety, check, meaning, check. What about social connection? Oh, perfect. We're all in this together, don't you know? Do your part. I'm doing my part, you need to do your part. Remember what show was on Netflix right when the first lockdown started, do you remember? Tiger King. 
And there was like this fake like communality with it. Like we were all watching it together at the same time. So connection, we're all in this together. And then the fourth thing is anger. Perfect. The COVID narrative is perfect because it gives everyone someone to be angry at. This group of the unvaccinated. Ugh, the truthers, the anti-vaxxers. They're the worst. The people not doing their part, not pulling their weight, the unclean, the others. And now I can whoosh, target my anger. Noam Chomsky the other day, he said the right response to vaccine mandates is not to force people, but to insist that they be isolated from society. He said, if I'm willing to be uh, a danger by to others by refusing the vaccine, then I should have the decency to isolate myself and not, I don't have a right to harm people and he said, this should just be an understood convention of the people. And if it's not understood, then we need to try to get it to be understood. Which brings you really quickly to force. So this COVID hysteria has everything that we needed. It gave us connection. It gave us something to be angry at. It gave us a meaning in life. And it explained our anxiety. It's not real, though. Push back against all those things. Hold the line. Mike Slater, spread the word. I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto market's hot right now. Everybody wants to get involved, right? I mean, people that feel like this is the time. Bitcoin, Ethereum, a lot of tokens out there. How do you get started if you've never invested in crypto before? My Digital Money is your answer, friends. It's an easy-to-use self-trading crypto IRA platform. They will offer you trigger orders to help you secure opportunities. Unbelievable security for your coins. It's great. It's so easy to use. So look, the crypto market's heating up. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. You deserve a team that has your back and will answer your phone call. That's what you have with MyDigitalMoney.com. Go to MyDigitalMoney.com, sign up today. Hey, Slater Crusaders. Mike Slater filling in for Buck Sexton here on Hold the Line. Thanks for being here. Let's talk about gender, shall we? Because of this from our vice president. She sent this out yesterday. President Biden and I released the first ever national gender strategy. This is our vision for the future of our nation. One that is bold in strategy and one that this moment calls for. Their gender equity plan. Okay, fine, I'll bite. Can we start with the fact that there are two genders? Not two strategies, two gender. Can we start there? Because there seems we seem to have some confusion over that, it seems like, like a thing we should come to agreement on first before we proceed with any strategy. I imagine the boardroom meeting, all right guys, we got a national gender strategy. All right, very first question, how many are there? Eight, <laughs> 12, zero, there's just no gender, all one, like two, it's two. I got two points here I wanna make in our remaining minutes. First, the waves of feminism. Have you heard of these? The waves, the different waves of feminism? My point here is that they're all the same. There's three waves that people talk about. The first wave, the first wave of feminism was 1848, and it was about the woman's right to vote. Then you had the second wave in the 1960s, and that was about abortion and women working. And now we're in the third wave today, which is God knows what. <laughs> right? like, women are men, men are women. You could switch, you could flip. Bruce Jenner's the woman of the year. It's a whole mess, right? That's the third wave that we're in right now. Now, a lot of conservatives even will make the claim that the first wave of feminism was good and noble and it got hijacked and 
and turned into the second and third wave, which is crazy and all that. So people will criticize the third wave and the second wave, but they'll, they'll do it and be like, oh, but the first wave was good. I'm here to tell you the first, the first wave was Most people will criticize the third wave of feminism. A few will criticize the second. But only a brave few souls are here. The few, the foolish, yours truly, to criticize the first. The first wave of feminism. But I am a member of the patriarchy, so what more would you expect? I suppose? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, I want to rebuke the idea that the first wave, the second wave, and the third wave are fundamentally different at all. They're not. So let's go back to the first wave of feminism here. Uh, and I'll go to their source document, the Declaration of Sentiments. This is from the Seneca Falls Convention, written in 1848. It was written by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Lucretia Mott. There's about 10 or so different principles that they outline in the Declaration of Sentiments. The second one was about the women's right to vote. That's the one that people know them for. But there were more. I want to highlight five of them here. All right. Number one, this is what they wrote. The history of mankind is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations on the part of man towards woman, having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over here, over her. So there's the patriarchy at work, the tyrannical patriarchy right from the jump. Number two, in the covenant of marriage, she is compelled to promise obedience to her husband, he becoming, in all intents and purposes, her master. Wait a second, I thought the first wave of feminism was about voting. Now we have marriage issues here? Hmm. Number three, he has monopolized nearly all the profitable employments. Huh. So now it's about women working. I thought that's what the second wave was about. Nope. That's what the first wave was about, too. Number four, he allows her in church but a subordinate position, claiming apostolic authority for her exclusion from the ministry. So what they're doing there is they're attacking 1 Timothy 2, which talks about how the women uh, should not be preachers or have leadership positions in the church. So this is the feminist movement taking an anti-Christian stance right from the jump, 1848. The strain of atheism and communism, which we'll get to in a second, is not a new addition to the feminist movement. It's right from the beginning. And if you go, to, if we, we don't have time to it today, but a history of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and you can see why she is a heretic. She, I'll tell you this. She wrote something called the Woman's Bible, right? And she said that she wanted Jewish mythology, which is what she, which she considered 
Christianity, be Jewish mythology, to be on the same level as Persian mythology, Egyptian mythology, and Greek mythology. So she wrote the woman's Bible. Okay, she's a heretic. Uh, and you see it reflected in the Seneca Falls statement. Fifth one, he has created a false public sentiment by giving to the world a different code of morals for men and women. Okay, so here we are, right from the jump, feminism talking about sexual immorality. That's what that's about. Those are the women of 1848 it's doing the exact same brand of feminism as Taylor Swift and Katy Perry's pop, pop feminism of today, which is, why are men allowed to sleep around, but women aren't? Same thing. 1848. It's all one wave, is what I'm getting at. Second point I want to make here. Why does it matter? Why Slater attack feminism? Why are you so against feminism, Slater? It's because you hate women, isn't it? It's because feminism and communism are directly linked to each other. William Z. Foster, he was the head of the American Communist Party from 1945 to 1957. I just want to read a little bit from uh, Mr. Foster here. He says, in freeing the woman, socialism liquidates the drudgery of housework. In the Soviet Union, the attack upon housework slavery is delivered from every possible angle. Great kitchen, great factory kitchens are being set up to prepare hot, well-balanced meals for home consumption by the millions. Communal kitchens and apartment houses are organized widespread. And to free women from the, keep in mind, this is the communist in America. To free women from the enslavement, enslavement of the perpetual care of her children is a major object of socialism. To this end, in the Soviet Union, there's being developed the most elaborate system of kindergartens and playgrounds in the world. Today, they would call that universal pre-K. And then he went on to talk about sexual liberation of women. Now, this was before the second wave feminists in the 60s, but it sounds the exact same as Gloria Steinem and all the rest of them, doesn't it? Talking about how housework is slavery, the toil of, of an oppression of being a mother, of staying in the home. That's second wave feminism, but you didn't hear it from a second wave feminist. You heard it from a communist, but I repeat myself. Feminism and communist and pagans all have the same goal of getting women out of the home, into the factories, and sleeping around. There is a direct connection between feminism and communism. Do not be fooled into thinking that you're a feminist because you value women. One of the most revolutionary aspects of the Bible is the shockingly high esteem that the Bible, God, and Jesus give to women. And there's plenty of examples. The biggest would be the resurrection. Without a resurrection, there is no Christianity. Right? Women first saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and they were the first to go spread the good news to others. That's a revolutionary concept. If, if you were making up a cult, you would never put that in there. You would never make that up, that women were the first to spread the most glorious news of the gospel. So the Bible is revolutionary in its aspect of holding up women to the highest of esteem. That's not feminism. Feminists and communists, they're partners in crime. So when the White House releases a national gender strategy, it's a nice mix of feminism and communism, which are the same thing. Now in the end, I'll end with this. I, I blame uh, Christians for not proclaiming a national gender strategy of our own, for not proclaiming a culture that properly values women, for not proclaiming God's high calling for women clearly enough. 
And because of that, women have floundered, not sure who to be or how to act. And they've gotten their messaging from Hollywood and Instagram. And then men don't lead and become weak, and the whole thing implodes. And for the atheists, the communists, and the feminists, mission accomplished. Mike Slater, filling in for Buck Sexton on Hold the Line. Spread the word. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right now, let's take a moment to talk about one of our newest sponsors on Hold the Line, Fume. Fume is the number one natural way to quit smoking and vaping. It's all about creating positive habits. Here's how they make it simple for you. They've created a natural inhaler of Fume that allows your body to receive the amazing benefits from some of the world's best super plants. It's a Canadian-made, handcrafted wooden inhaler with no electronics. and makes quitting smoking easier. There's no smoke, no vape, no nicotine, and no harmful chemicals. Fume naturally helps with that pesky hand-to-mouth habit and reducing those nicotine and menthol cravings. And their flavors actually taste great. You need to check them out. This company is incredible. Fume has other areas of support too beyond helping you quit smoking. Head to breathefume, spelled F-U-M, dot com slash buck and take their quiz to find out which super plants are best for you. It's quick, easy, it will point you to specific plants and to research behind them for their benefits. When you use code buck at checkout, you'll get 10% off. Breathe in the benefits of the world's super plants today. Don't wait, it's time to quit smoking or vaping. Again, breathefume, F-U-M, dot com slash buck. Hey, Slater Crusaders, I'm Mike Slater, filling in for the great Buck Sexton. Welcome back to Hold the Line. So like a week or so ago, we heard that uh, China launched this hypersonic missile that we aren't capable of matching or defending against at all. And the first headlines I saw about it were, uh, and and our intelligence agencies are shocked. I thought, what are you talking about? Brandon Weikert told us about this months ago. He wrote a book about it last September, Winning Space. How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon Weikert. Brandon, how are you, brother? I'm all right. How are you? Thanks for uh, having me on. Of course, you were definitely not shocked that they were able to successfully test this uh, hypersonic missile. We talked about it months ago. So tell us uh, how how fast these things are, how much better they are than what we are currently capable of matching or defending. So the key thing here is that China has a working 
prototype of this weapon. Uh, they are able, with this advanced hypersonic wind tunnel, they have the most advanced hypersonic wind tunnel in the world in Beijing. They're able to test bigger uh, uh, hypersonic weapons for far longer than what the Americans or even the Russians can do. So already they had a leapfrog on us in terms of testing capability. Now they've taken that capability of testing and they've applied it to the real world and now they have an actual working version of this weapon. Whereas the US military's version, they just tried to do a launch a week ago uh, and it was uh, mixed results to say the least. The booster phase was uh, uh, kind of a failure. The rest of it worked somewhat. But needless to say, we're coming from behind now. And this is not a position you want to be in, especially right now, uh, when tensions between Beijing and Washington are at the highest they've been probably in 40 years. Uh, and, and China now also, with this new weapons capability, they have what's known as economies of scale. They have the ability to mass produce anything they want in China. So once they figure out how to make the these things work, they can then mass produce, produce them at a faster clip than we in America can do. And that gives them an unfair advantage over the United States. And that could translate to the Chinese trying to basically uh, do a launch on us. As it stands, we don't have the air defense systems in place that can effectively track and counteract uh, a hypersonic weapons attack. Think of it as like the Maginot Line uh, from World War II. The French spent all this time building these fortified uh, complex steel and concrete uh, fortresses along their border with Germany, thinking another war would be like the First World War, and the Germans ended up creating technology and tactics that completely end-ran the whole uh, uh, complex Maginot line, allowing the, the Germans to just go around it. Something similar with our air defense systems, designed in the last century to fight traditional nuclear weapons and intercontinental ballistic missiles. They can't track and destroy uh, the Chinese hyper Sonic systems, which go faster and they can move in any direction, uh, whereas our systems that are defensive are aimed at protecting against the east-west uh, line of attack, the polar, north-south or south-north, we can't track or defend against very well. Wow. that like I hear all that stuff and I think, wow, you can't just snap your fingers and catch up to that overnight. And, and I look back at all these like moonshot things that we were able to accomplish in America and how close we were to never accomplishing those things. I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's luck, but it was a darn near miracle that we were able to successfully do these things. And there's no, my point is there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to snap our fingers and catch up in this mission. Right, especially because it's such a different dynamic. The Soviet Union was ultimately a sclerotic economic system. They ultimately fell. They collapsed from within. They were falling apart long before Reagan came along and pushed them over the edge. The problem right now is that China is a very dynamic economy integrated into the world system for the last 50 years, and they have a very high technology, high degree of innovation in their high-tech uh, sector, and they're married those capabilities to an overarching geostrategic goal of taking down the United States and replacing it with their own power globally. And so this is a very dangerous position at a time when the United States does not appear to have its act together. It isn't just President Biden who's looking bad, but for the last several years we've looked bad, going back to you know the Bill Clinton administration. We just, we don't look like the dominant superpower anymore, and we're certainly not acting like it. Back in the days you were mentioning, we 
we were able to take a lot of tax dollars, throw it at a problem, attract private investment and innovation that way, and then sort of have a mass uh, amassing of talent that would then leapfrog the Soviets with the, with the moonshot, for instance, the Apollo program. We don't have anything comparable today. You could say that the vaccine development that President Trump pioneered with Operation Warp Speed for COVID-19 was the closest we came, but even then that left much to be des desired. And so we just aren't good at this anymore, and we better start getting better at it because China now has a working system that threatens every American in their own home. I was uh, reading, I think it was in the Financial Times about this, and they said that if this hypersonic missile attacks an aircraft carrier, the captain of the ship would have seconds in order right. to notice it's coming. Seconds. Right. So correct me if I'm being overdramatic, but it seems like this almost makes our, US, our aircraft carriers, which is what made us so dominant around the world, right. uh, almost a liability more than an asset. Talk me off that ledge. So the, you're not wrong. Aircraft carriers has been a big debate right now for the last t 10 years. Are aircraft carriers obsolete? Well, China certainly developed the countermeasures needed to overcome our aircraft carrier advantages. So something that I've been arguing for since I worked in Capitol Hill for last, you know, in, back in 2013, was, hey, let's start investing in submarine capabilities, building out that submersible fleet. Let's start investing in uh, better cyber uh, warfare capabilities. Let's start investing, as I talk about in my book, into greater space weapons capability, not just defense, but offensive as well. We're so far behind the ball on that, though, we're going to have to go to war with the Navy we have, which is a lot of aircraft carriers. And guess what? Like you say, those hypersonic weapons, as well as other weapons that China's developed, kind of makes those aircraft carriers more of a liability in battle than an advantage. And that's not something you want to have because we don't have enough subs to actually counteract uh, China's threat should they decide to attack Taiwan or do something against us. Yep, yep. All right, this is very concerning. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. We've got about two minutes. Um, give me one or two uh, forces that have been at work over the decades that have led us to being so far behind technologically and that you think could prevent us from the next you know, mass moonshot, like jumping ahead? What, what's at play here culturally, politically, et cetera, geopolitically, that makes us where we are right now? Well, our culture's gotten very complacent. We've become convinced that we are the dominant power, that it's always been this way, it always will be this way. So you have a cultural kind of aversion to taking risks in the way that we used to. Our whole system has also gotten kind of comfortable uh, with the way the status quo, the way things have gone for the last 30, 40 years. So we don't want to change too much for fear of losing what we already have. So you have that problem. You have also in our government since the 90s, my colleague David Goldman talks about this a lot. You've had a precipitous decline in investment at the federal uh, level into research and development of the kind that we did that created Silicon Valley in the last century. We don't really do that anymore. We rely completely on the private sector, which is great for creating the new iPhone app. Not so great for getting to the moon necessarily, not without a lot of tax dollar assistance like SpaceX has. Uh, and then you also have a political problem where you have 
both parties really they don't think about anything beyond the next two and four year election cycles so you can't really do long range strategic planning you can't figure out what's the next big system you need to kind of compete with a great power like china who does think in these longer term time scales because they don't have a uh, election system they have to worry about so you have some of these cultural and then you have some of these political factors as well as economic constraints we spend a lot of money too much money now so we want to try to pull that back that prevents us from investing in new age technologies so those three factors hold us back i don't know how we break the cycle because we've become so ingrained in it it's going to be very hard it's going to take a big knock in the head i think That's to kind of wake us out of that complacency exactly what i was exactly going to say i worry about what it will take because right china testing their missiles not enough to wake us up so they're going to have to be using that missile in order to wake us up and overcome these right. uh these ba barriers uh, Brandon, hey, we got to run Winning Space. Everyone go buy the book, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Thanks, brother. Thank you, sir. Mike Slater, filling in for Buck Sexton. Hold the line. I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto market's hot right now. Everybody wants to get involved, right? I mean, people that feel like this is the time. Bitcoin, Ethereum, a lot of tokens out there. How do you get started if you've never invested in crypto before? My Digital Money is your answer, friends. It's an easy-to-use self-trading crypto IRA platform. They will offer you trigger orders to help you secure opportunities, unbelievable security for your coins. It's great. It's so easy to use. So look, the crypto market's heating up. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. You deserve a team that has your back and will answer your phone call. That's what you have with MyDigitalMoney.com. Go to MyDigitalMoney.com. Sign up today. Hey everyone, thank you Buck Sexton again for letting me fill in today. We just got a couple of COVID quick hits that we weren't able to get to during the rest of the show. This is one of the top guys, he's the premier, he's like the governor of Victoria in uh, Australia. Listen to this line at the end. You will have to be vaccinated because the, the, the virus doesn't much care what you're going shopping for. It just doesn't. And you will, you will spread it. Uh, you will make the job of our nurses harder. And if you're choosing to not be vaccinated, well, that is the wrong choice to make. I, I, I hope, and we'll play our part in this, like a month before your six months is up, uh, then uh, you will get a message and your vaccination certificate, the thing that gets you the green tick, you'll be prompted to go and book, uh, to go and book a uh, time to go and have your booster shot. There may be state clinics in that, or it might be all done through GPs and pharmacy. That hasn't been worked, worked through yet. We're happy to play our part, though. Uh, so it'll be about the maintenance of your vaccination status. There it is. That's the line. It'll be about the maintenance of your vaccination status. I look forward to the day when the uh, the proudly vaccinated will once again be relegated to the ranks of the unvaccinated when they don't yet have their booster shot. Get ready for a booster every year and come back to the ranks of the unclean. Ridiculous. This is the executive director, excuse me, executive editor of The Atlantic. She ran through a guide to mixing boosters. <laughs> Mix it. So you get a couple shots of this, couple shots of that, a little J&J, a &J, little Pfizer, a little Moderna, boom, bada bing, bada boom. It's like, what are you kidding me? These people are drug addicts at this point. Absolute drug addicts. Someone wrote back to this tweet and they said, very useful information. I am Pfizer plus my own COVID antibodies and I can't wait to get some Moderna in me too. Holy cow, are you serious lady? Tim Young had a great line. He said, uh, if I would gotten two shots of something that was originally sold as being 95% effective 
at completely stopping a virus that had a 99% survival rate. Then I needed to get a third shot because the first two weren't good enough. I'd at the very least start to believe that I was lied to. Have you seen the uh, Chappelle special yet? Very offensive to the T's, the alphabet people, as he calls them. Here's his latest. He says, to the transgender community, I'm more than willing to give you an audience, but you will not summon me. I'm not bending to anybody's demands. And if you want to meet with me, I'm more than willing to, but I got some conditions. First of all, you cannot come if you've not watched my special from beginning to end. You must come to a place of my choosing at a time of my choosing. And thirdly, you must admit that Hannah Gadsby's not funny. Hannah Gadsby, if you don't know, she's like some woke lesbian comedian or something. The point here is don't apologize to the mob ever. Dave Chappelle's doing the right thing here. The mob's not interested in truth or amends or repentance or understanding or anything pure. They want blood. They want to destroy you and move on to their next victim. And you're merely the next person to satisfy their bloodlust for the day. Don't ever give in to them. It is absolutely useless to apologize to people who don't believe in grace and forgiveness. So what do we do? Shields high. Mike Slater filling in for Buck. Spread the word.